0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play
1: for free right
0: now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hi, this is Glenda Canfield at Glenda Canfield on Twitter, and I am here speaking with Andy Mann at Andy, A-N-D-I, Mann, M-A-N-N, And Andy, I'm going to hand the floor to you, let you introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your um, professional background and how you ended up here, and then we'll get started on the podcast. Are you ready?
0: Super. Yes, I am. So, yeah, my, my name is Andy Mann. I'm currently the vice president in the office of the CTO at CA Technologies. It's been a long journey to get there, I guess. I've been around for, goodness me, too many years that I'd like to recollect, 25, 30 years in IT. Originally in the practitioner side, so in data centers, you know, Glenda, I was was running data centers, running mainframe operations for large banks, insurance companies, that sort of thing. Ended up doing some programming, system programming, automation has been the thread that has run through my work career, I guess, um, and automated myself out of my first job, (laughs) 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 which I consider to be a sign of success. Right.
1: Um, You're so efficient.
0: <laughs> exactly, um, and yet through a range of circumstances, I ended up working for a couple of automation companies selling the software. I I maintained it was because I asked people too many hard questions they couldn't answer as a as an end user. Um, but yeah, no, so now you know I ended up, I, I did. About five years as an IT analyst as well that was fascinating insight into a lot of different things and I've come through virtualization and through cloud computing and a lot of my focus today is around DevOps but now I'm starting to move into ideas around mobile computing and wearables and internet of things and, and all of this touches back to the themes around automation that I've always had at the, at the top of my, my, my mind so that's sort of where I've come from I guess.
1: But well I can, I can I can see that about you too. I mean I've been following you um you know socially in you know your writing and and some of the stuff you've been doing in um the social uh, arena for a while and I have noticed that you have been trending more lately towards mobility and wearables and um augmented reality and and such. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to speak with you because right now there's a lot of confusion around mobility. And I think that everybody, especially because of all of the marketing hype around cloud, everybody thinks that we're in this kind of perfect storm stage where everything is converging. And I don't think that they realize that not everything is converged. So <laughs> that's yep. why I wanted to speak with you because you're one of the people out there going, um, reality check. So, <laughs> yes. um I wanted to have a moment of reality with Andy Mann. So um, as far as uh, mobility and how companies are um, kind of approaching that, what are you seeing and what aren't you seeing? So what are you seeing that they they are doing right and what are you seeing that they're not doing right?
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good question because mobility is the new form of engagement, right? You know, all the companies that... Uh, especially companies that want to grow which is what every company um, they need to find new markets and new ways to engage with customers and and consumers are getting very comfortable with mobile technology you know not just not just smartphones but we see things like fitbits and fuel bands and all this sort of stuff um, a lot less so things like google glass and even the new microsoft augmented reality glasses but you know consumers are very much getting comfortable with mobility and that's increasingly how they prefer to interact with businesses and i know from my own personal experience you know i'm out and about i'm traveling a lot without the ability to interact with key services via my mobile devices and i'm talking about you know travel banking insurance the things you need mm-hmm. to take care of on a day-to-day basis then things would back up for me i just wouldn't be able to do stuff because i'm on the road and a lot of people uh especially when you start talking about millennials uh digital natives becoming more and more that mobility mobile devices are the only way they engage with customers and brands so it's a really important area and a lot of companies are doing it uh not to put too fine a point on it uh very badly you know the right. experience yeah. you know, having a poor experience um Assuming your big screen website works on a mobile device, there's a lot of problems there. Um, you know, Understanding how integration works between mobile applications and mobile websites as well is another area where most organizations don't seem to get it right. They treat them as separate channels and you've really got to have an omni-channel strategy because you never know where your customers are coming from. Um no, when you say or, when yeah. you
1: say channel, are you talking about a specific protocol channel, or are you talking about like are like you know historically SSL four four three? Are you talking about that type of thing, like a channel uh, no. that 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 different protocols go through? Are okay, so no, talking
0: more about the sort of routes to market. But you actually make a really good point when you start to talk about um, the protocols that people are using, um, the difficulty in getting secured connections. Um, you know, the the privacy aspects of mobility are a very big and scary issue, right? Um, oh, yeah. with the more and more data ends up on the Edge device, on a mobile device, the more it becomes a, an attack vector for the bad guys. Um, and there's, you know, I know myself, you know, sitting in an airport connecting to a, a Wi-Fi and wondering how many people are snooping on what I'm sending over that Wi-Fi uh, and having no control, essentially, over it. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I can connect to my corporate VPN and do that, but most consumers don't do that. And so data leakage using the wrong protocols is actually a big issue as well. A lot of websites, a lot of mobile apps not working very well on that aspect either.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, I mean, one of the things that I've been finding, because, you know, I work as an active engineer, one of the things that I find with companies, they've all got mobility and bring your own device as part of the roadmap. But um, it just seems like such a huge topic for them because the ecosystem is so large, right? There's so many different types of hardware and software. And, you know, what can be sustained in your, you know, corporate infrastructure and what can't, um, that is something else that you have to be able to identify and manage. And then, you know, get end user acceptance on it. So, you know, there's there's that um there's the performance aspect, um security is a big deal like you mentioned. So, you know, it, it makes you wonder about, you know, you I've been hearing like noise around, you know, is is um you know, mobility going to give VDI, a, you know, a second wind, is it going to give it, you know, new use cases? Um what's your thoughts on that? Because you know, you've you've heard about the nirvana project i'm sure that's been kind of floating around for a long time about the concept of turning your your cell phone or your tablet into a thin client and just connecting it to a monitor keyboard or mouse or a monitor keyboard and television a television keyboard and mouse and turning it into basically a you know a static device that you connect to vdi or even you know horizon or zen app or you know just go through a web browser to get your apps but essentially um You know, what's your take on that?
0: Look, yeah, this is a really interesting question, isn't it? And again, it comes back to this idea of the multi-channel strategy. You know, what devices and what capabilities do your customers want when they're going to come and, you know, connect to your brand to do research on your products, to buy stuff from you, you know, all of that sort of stuff? And for employees as well, you know, you touched on the BYO thing um, you know, for employees, what are they? What sort of device do they want to do to do different things? And to me, this harks back to the, a fundamental misunderstanding of user experience. Um, and I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. The, there was, at one point, we were all going to get access to the internet through our TVs, right? Every All the smart TVs have got web browsers built in and all this sort of stuff. And it was right. built around this premise that, I don't know where it even came from, that people wanted to do that.
1: <laughs> well, you did hear about the Wii stuff, right? And people were being spied on through their Wiis.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly, right? Definitely. I, mean, it's the I want them.
1: tons of cameras in my house that I don't know <laughs> where people are watching and, with.
0: And the always-on, always-listening, always-watching controllers for things like the Xbox One, right?
1: right? Um
0: Listening for commands, which is nothing new. We've heard, And we heard this in, from Samsung just the other day that there was a big furor that they're listening for commands, which, you know, if you're going to have voice activation you sort of have to listen to the commands but right. um but yeah this this idea that people wanted to 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 surf the web on a television screen you know internet browsing that sort of thing tends to be much more of a solo activity it's not a tribal activity like watching television is right. and so that, fl- that that sort of effort failed out and i think the idea that that mobility is going to so respark VDI as a single, and you talked about Horizon and other things, you know, this, this holy grail of the single user interface for all screens, I think is just fundamentally flawed in the same way. Trying yeah. to foist a single experience type across multiple different screens, not to mention the concepts of, uh, you know, multitasking versus single screen tasking, uh, the dual screen action that we're seeing quite a lot of these days, especially in the entertainment industry.
1: And business um, versus consumer.
0: Business versus consumer. That's absolutely another one. You know, and I think VDI has an opportunity to add some value to the mobility discussion, but more for me as a sort of a backstop rather than a primary use case. You know. Um, All of a sudden, I'm out on the road, and I really need access to that spreadsheet. And let's face it, cell phones are not great for doing spreadsheet processing on. So I VDI into my laptop, which is sitting on my desk at home, and I do the the work I need to do. But fundamentally, I'm going to be using a tiny screen for something that needs a big screen. So this is why I think it's a disconnect. Yes.
1: Well, yeah, and the other side, too, is what you were talking about, the different channels, um, you know, now I'm kind of getting back to, circling back to what you were saying. You know, when you're talking about resources on demand and having all your information in the cloud, certain, you know, hosting companies are going to be able to host certain types of data and provide certain types of resources better than other companies because it's what they specialize in. I'm assuming that's kind of where you were going with that. And what happens when all of your information is spread out across the universe and you know who manages it, who has visibility into it, and what are they using it for?
0: Yeah, well, I, mean, I think that's becoming a, a more and more an untouched problem. You know, as the you know we're starting to see integration of desktop applications, you know, productivity applications with cloud applications. You know, the the at that, that its most basic things like integrating with Microsoft Office with Box, for example. Um, you know, so we're starting to see organizations understand that this will be a problem. Mm -hmm. But to a large degree, it's not being uh, managed very well. And I'll tell you, I believe that the future of mobility and and definitely wearable computing is around much more specific use cases. You know, we've seen general-purpose computing uh, not really satisfy the mobile user. You know, Mm -hmm. having a uh, everything-to-everyone kind of device. Like, to an extent, like a smartphone... Um it doesn't it's it's neither fish nor flesh and I'll spit it out. You know, it's it's one of those things where the utility doesn't actually match up. It's it's a everything's a compromise. And so yeah. specific use cases are gonna become much more prevalent. We're already starting to see that. Obviously, I mentioned Fitbit and the Nike fuel band and stuff like that. Um, you know, a very specific use case providing very interesting data. Um, more wearables around healthcare monitoring as well, I think is gonna be important. Um, wearables and mobility, mobile devices around production lines, inventory tracking, a whole bunch of stuff like that too. You know, there's a lot of stuff. And so this diaspora, for want of a better word, of data, the data diaspora just gets bigger and bigger because all these devices are just point devices now at the edge. And so where's the integration opportunity there? That's a huge challenge, I reckon.
1: Right. It's like how are all of these devices going to interface with each other and, you know, how do you know that they're going to be um, compatible and supportable? I mean, the fact of the matter is is there's only so much time in a day and IT, um, if, if it's connecting to their network, they're responsible for supporting it regardless of what the company policy is. You know, if they're saying, okay, let the customer bring their own PC yeah. as long as they're using an app, you still have to support it. If they're if they're using it for work, you're going to be forced to support it, even if it's just you know best effort.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean you can tell people as much as you want that you know if you don't bring if you don't use one of our standard corporate devices, support is on you. Yeah. But ultimately, if they can't do the job because they can't do their own support, they're going to call the help desk, and the help desk is going to have to try and help them. You're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. So that's where that leads. And then you look at all of these, um, you know, different devices, like you just m- mentioned, a plethora of, of um, diversity there, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, is that going to force um, proprietary partnerships um, on certain companies, like in the healthcare industry with, you know, wearables? Are, you know, companies going to have to, you know, have proprietary relationships with, you know, Software vendors like hardware, you know, um, vendors with software vendors that are proprietary that they just offer this one, you know, holistic solution so that, you know, they can guarantee it works so that people aren't running into the hospital with all kinds of different devices. Because when you're talking about healthcare, I mean, there's got to be a a large degree of stability there and it's got to be sustainable. Um,
0: Yeah,
1: definitely. Government's the same way. So, you know, so then you're thinking, okay, so these are going to lead to some proprietary partnerships, and if that's the case, then it kind of defeats the purpose of, uh, you know, bring your own device, because it's not bring your own device anymore, it's you're using these devices, sorry, you know. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and you know... The proprietary nature and the interconnectivity aspects and all this sort of stuff. When you talk about use specific cases around wearables and mobility, then you're gonna have discrete services that will work together, ideally, you know, multiple different devices working together. And maybe connecting to a smartphone a uh, 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 you know a, a more general purpose mobile device for sort of data data aggravation ag aggravation. There's a Freudian slip. Uh, yes. Data aggregation <laughs> right. uh, and you know visualizations and stuff like that. But you know I think you're onto something in terms of the battle that's going to loom up between open and closed, uh, you know integratable and, and proprietary. We saw I think um, a glimmer of that in I think it was Right Aid and CVS who opted to not adopt Apple Pay, right? They wanted to create their own system because they see more value in that for them. They want to stay closer to their customers, lots and lots of good reasons. But ultimately, they also, by doing that, start to step outside of that ecosystem. And I don't know, I certainly wouldn't paint Apple as an open ecosystem model to be followed by all people, but... That definitely gives us a but it's heavily support.
1: standardized already. Exactly. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, and so that sort of thing can be really potentially dangerous. That we we end up having such a fractured ecosystem that it actually hurts the consumer.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, agreed there. And with the wearables, um, you know, kind of what are you seeing besides the use cases in like medical and and you know. Um, for uh, some military use cases, which I could I could potentially oh, see yeah. some good ones for. Um, you know, right now they're generally being used for more ancillary type things like IM or chat or, you know, yeah. tracking how long you're biking or how much you're losing weight or, you know, um, yeah. even two-factor authentication. Like if it's close to the PC, you can use, you know, use your like an iWatch potentially for that. But I do see that um, eventually, you know, these devices becoming more useful and less ancillary, becoming more, you know, necessary than, um, you know, they are today. Um, And like you said, these kids, these millennials that you mentioned, um, all of them, you know, for them, even a laptop feels like a a huge redundant brick (laughs) So, you know, the smaller things are, the happier they're going to be, Um, and, but that's going to be where, you know, a lot of the, you know, augmented reality stuff is going to have to come into play, too, with Google Glass, but right now, the entry cost is so high, but I don't think these kids even know how high the entry cost is, but companies certainly do. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And there's still going to be, int- you know, integration issues there, but... I mean, what are the future of, um, you know, like wearables for you? I mean, what are you looking at or what are you seeing or what are you predicting? And I won't hold you to it, I swear.
0: (laughs) Well, I I know predictions are a mug's game, but it doesn't stop me making them. Um, I certainly think that, you know, what you're talking about there in terms of the Google Glass and some of this other, it's very much consumer-driven and it's, to a large degree, they're sort of gadgets or toys for the for the 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 technologically forward right i mean we talk, we joked about the the concept of being a glass hole right uh it was you know that sort of was codifying the concept of uh future forward tech geeks as as other in a lot of ways um and you know it, it bounces off societal views, and I think that increasingly we 're going to move to more functional commercial style in wearables, you know the industrial internet of things, if you will, um moving away, you know the toys are great, the gadgets are fun, I mean I love them i 've got a whole bunch of wearables uh in terms mm-hmm. of cameras and bike computers and all that sort of stuff um and i you know, I'm a data geek, and I love to get data on my skiing and data on my cycling and all this sort of stuff. But yeah. ultimately, for businesses, it's going to come down to um, what drives their business, what gives them additional value. So we start to see inclination, you know, some 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 implications of that in things like logistics, wearable computing, uh, tablet computing, mobile based computing, logistics and transportation have used those sorts of devices for a long time. Obviously, GPS type devices is one, but you start to get more intelligent devices that can do things like automatic rerouting that can uh, do things like understand weather patterns and reroute around those sort of things, integration with apps like Waze, for example, for traffic management. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we're already seeing that, obviously, with digital signatures. Um, So that's one area. I certainly see uh, the disposable wristband as going to be something uh, in the vein of the wristband that Disney World gives out for its customers, where that becomes their payment device, their identification device, their ticket into the parks, it's their fast pass onto the onto rides. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to take a wallet or a watch or anything with you, just this one wearable, washable wristband. Um so it's another one I did I have certainly seen in the um in healthcare, you know, you as you mentioned, the ability to monitor people 24/7, uh, especially for high-risk patients where you want to get instant notification of fluctuations in key indicators. Uh, yeah, these are much more than toys, right? We're going way mm-hmm. beyond this idea of, well, I, I guess I can flick a switch on my glasses. And we're going into things like, well, I'm going to be able to save my money, reduce costs for my customer, get a better service level, uh, be able to do things with these devices I could not do before, mm-hmm. Um that's where I think the industrial internet of things is going. We're learning a lot from the toys, but ultimately the toys and gadgets are going to be very rapidly, I think, superseded by
1: real commercial use cases. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense, that makes sense. Now, as far as um, you know, the holes in mobility, um, particularly around business, um, where do you see? You know, like I said at the beginning, you know, everybody because of the whole cloud thing in marketing, there seems to be like this disconnect. It kind of reminds me of, um, you know, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe, where the dolphins are like, "So long and thanks for all the fish," <laughs> and, and nobody understands the message because they don't think dolphin. But the dolphins are leaving because <laughs> no. the Earth's been rerouted and it's going to be destroyed. So. <laughs> It's like, okay, well, thank you, uh, marketing, but engineering is over here saying um, so long and thanks for all the fish, and we're running in the other direction. (laughs) So um, where where are the holes? I mean, how can we translate that to people to make sure that they understand that this is not something that is going to happen in the next, you know, year or two years? I mean, this is something, you know, this is not a perfect storm yet. Everything hasn't converged.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I'll come back to security as one of the biggest gaps. Um, I think consumers don't understand what they don't understand. You know, it's the old unknown unknowns. Um, Whereas industry, you know, IT people especially, we should be leading this. We should be out in front. You know, I see a whole bunch of data breaches happening and deliberate data breaches in some cases, as we know, uh, from various federal agencies and so forth. Right, like Britain
1: with Apple.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Now, who are the engineers who are writing the code that's making this happen? I think as engineers, there's a responsibility to stand up and say, "Hey, look, this application I'm writing for this mobile device does not have a secure API attached to it. Yeah. We need to make a secure API." We, you know, this this application I'm writing, it's got unencrypted data transfer back to my cloud host or my server. I right, all the phone homes that.
1: In, that are built in. What's up with all those too, you know? It's yeah, exactly. Getting all those phone home messages.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. where's
1: home, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes.
1: And so I think there's a,
0: a responsibility that's going to be incumbent on engineers, not least, but also obviously managers and product designers to overcome that. I think that's one of the biggest issues that we'll see going forward. And it could very well delay the onset of some of these commercial wearables and the industrial internet of things because, obviously, enterprises have much different attitudes to risk management than consumers do. And mm. so you know, that's going to be a huge issue, I think, that we're going to need to take on. Um, and that's going to flow into all sorts of stuff, right, into identity, into IP. pattern matching. Sorry?
1: I said IT, you yeah, know, like... And we're used to a certain amount of autonomy, you know, at least our generation is, is. We're used to, you know, even if the company owns a laptop that we're using, we're still carrying that with us everywhere, and we have a certain amount of control of what's going on with it. Um, You know, ultimately the device is owned by the, the company, but, you know, these kids that are coming up, they're not going to have PCs, and their information is going to be spread all over the world. And who knows, you know, Who's going to own what? And, you know, what are their it, – it's kind of like right now we're concerned with privacy laws as it stands for, you know, people's personal, um, you know, um, technology or data. Um, what happens when these kids who have no idea, you know, about what their rights are, are just throwing anything that they want up and all of a sudden they all get flagged as terrorists or some craziness. Oh, they yeah. say something I mean, like a a sixteen year old would say when they're pissed off.
0: Yeah, well exactly, right? Um and so when you've got Big Brother looking over your shoulder at all this stuff, all sorts of stuff can be misinterpreted. And and you know the impact on commercial reality is already there. We see that for example in the European uh, large European organizations refusing to use American-based cloud, not even just Europeans, I mean, Canadian government organizations not allowed to use American-based cloud services because of some of this, uh, you know, the infiltration that has happened. Yeah. So this is a, already a commercial reality, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like a very complex issue and it's going to take a lot of time to um, resolve it. And the more you delve into it it seems like the the more complex it becomes. And even for somebody like you and I who've been dealing with mobility for a really long time and end user computing, it's complex and we actually understand the scope of the ecosystem and you know, its nuances. But um it, the technology is, you know, developing very rapidly in the last five years. So it's exciting. But it's also one of those deals, like you said, there's a lot of questions around security and how are those going to be addressed? Is it going to force proprietary, you know, um, partnerships, which are going to limit consumer options when the whole idea of mobility is freedom? So it's kind of there's some dichotomies, you know, like opposing, you know, situations that are going on here. It's like can you sustain it? or i mean can you sustain allowing people to have everything they want or can you only you know allow them to have you know one piece of cheesecake and not two you know what i'm saying
0: yep yeah. yeah and and your point about complexity i think is really important too it comes back to the idea of vdi as a as a central hub for everything it's like you're just adding more complexity and this is one of my theses in the IT industry, we never get rid of anything, right? We just add new stuff, which makes things more and more complex, Um, not less complex. And as we do that, yeah, it becomes much harder to manage, much harder to secure, much harder to understand what the real end-user experience is like. Um, You know, these are all big challenges when we get the additional complexity of more mobile devices, more wearable computers, you know, more sensors and devices out there on production lines and stuff. just gets harder, not easier.
1: Well, I I think you're right in that the trends are more towards people writing apps for the app stores or writing web apps or creating ways to use traditional business apps um, via the web. Things like, you know, Redo Mobility and, you know, Citrix is investing in in that company and it's a company that basically takes modules from inside of uh, large business apps and just publishes out the modules inside of it to html5 so you can use any device that will use that that's compatible with html5 on it. So I mean, you know, because everybody's looking for that magic bullet right that's cross compatible and yeah. html5 you can pretty much use with with any, you know, operating system, so that's a groovy, but it's still emerging and it just feels like VDI hasn't had a chance to grow up yet and it's already starting to feel like you know i i i hate to i hate to say that that we've outgrown it but it feels like it's it's kind of one of those deals where its moment is is feeling kind of like it's past and people are like okay you know we we know what the use cases are for that and that's where it's going to live forever um it's found a home and that's where you know that's its permanent address and you know, everybody else is, is moving here to, you know, the new upscale neighborhood, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, look, it's all, it's all about the cycles, right? Um, yeah. And it's like, not like mid-range computing or even mainframe ever went away, but the use cases declined as we started to find other opportunities to engage with customers to, to you know, do the business of computing in different right. ways with, you know, desktops, with uh, laptops, with tablets now and mobile computers. You know, I think that it comes in waves, Right. And the, the the back end of the wave, to a large degree, never disappears, but it definitely gets smaller and smaller as the front end of the wave takes on new and exciting you know opportunities for innovation. And I think that's where we are as well with some of the wearable computing, Internet of Things, and stuff like that. We've still got, I think, mobility you know the classic smartphone, tablet devices riding the crest of the wave. Um, behind the back of the wave, I think we're seeing a tail off in things like VDI. Uh, virtual desktops and so forth. Um, whereas at the very front of the wave, I think we're just starting to see the upslope of you know the next generation of wearables and Internet of Things. So yeah, I, I agree, Glenda. I mean, I think the some of the older technologies, um, I don't think they're going to be fully superannuated. You know, there's going to be use cases for them. For a long time, and significant use cases as well, just as there are with mainframe and mid-range computing, you know. But we're going to move on to different types of computing modes that's going to make the old modes of mobile, VDI, virtual desktop, virtual apps, streaming, these sorts of things, a lot less in demand than they are today for sure.
1: Well, like you said, once something finds a home in the data center, it's going to live there for a long time. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's not going to go away. We're just going to add more technology to it. So, um, I mean, that that basically, you know, is essentially, you know, the same point. And basically, the, you know, yeah, I mean, it's got its use cases. It, it's um, living and breathing in the data center, and it's going to be there for, you know, uh, for many years to come. But, um you know, are the use cases gonna grow? Is it gonna have a chance to mature into a fully realized um solution that everybody thought it was going to become and everybody was kind of racing, you know, to 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 win the, the war. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't see a magic bullet, um, and I do see a lot more stuff being done, you know, that is cross platform enabling, um, just because the, you know, the millennials are picking up all these different devices with all these different operating systems with all these different hardware, and they have no real brand loyalty. So at the end of the day, and this is something I actually agree with Brian Madden about. He wrote an article like 100 years ago. I mean, it was before, it was right when VDI just first started. And um, he said, you know, it doesn't matter what the mechanism is. It's always just about delivering the application. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. 100% right.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. You know, it's uh, it's something that at yeah, CA Technologies we've been looking at very closely over the last year or two. This idea of the application economy and 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 business being rewritten by software. Uh, you know, it's about what you can do. And I I have various conversations and debates with people, especially on Twitter, on maybe it's the data that's important, not the application. And you know, maybe it's the connection with the company that's important, not the application. And I, I sort of reject all of that personally. I do believe it's the application. Yeah. Um, it's, I agree. You I think probably,
1: it's the application. You could narrow it
0: down to something like it's the experience, which puts, mm-hmm. pulls all that together. But it's also fluffy, isn't it? Um, so yeah, but, I would that the application. People don't.
1: Is where the focus is. People like multimedia, and they want a wonderful, you know, experience. You know, sound, video, all that good stuff, but. It's not unless you in a in a job that requires you to use that yep. kind of functionality. It's not necessary. Absolutely.
0: So, I mean, I'll give you a very a very a example. App. I'm I'm a, I'm a big gamer, right? I love to play video games. I've got a bunch of consoles and stuff like this. Uh, but I've got a business grade laptop. It's yeah. what the business needs of me. It's got a it's got an onboard video processor, no separate video card. You know, I I cannot play the games that I would like to on my laptop. Um, I have a desktop computer at home. I play games on that. You know, that's a different scene um, because my business is not paying me to have the video card and the sound controllers that I would <laughs> like to be gaming, right? right? That's their prerogative. <laughs> and you're right. It's You know, it's got to be something that's worthwhile to the business, right?
1: Yeah, but we are, you know, we are in fact seeing some, you know, a lot of focus on multimedia and virtualization with the whole NVIDIA, um, you know, GPU sharing. You know, they finally yep. kind of um, broke the the um, server industry and and got them to start, you know, allowing them to uh, change their form factors to put a, a GPU card in, and that is going to increase the performance because a lot of younger kids that are coming up they do have an expectation of a an amazing multimedia experience and a lot of our um collaboration technology is is becoming more and more um you know used and people are using it as productivity devices now and so that is becoming more of a necessity but I don't think it's 100% a necessity for most of us today I think it will be, though, for the the next wave. I think that they will absolutely, you know, not even want to show up to work if they can't do it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is one thing that I think we're going to get to an inflection point at some point. Um, and you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, millennials and digital natives are very much clamoring for better technology. They want the technology they work with to be at least as good as the technology they have in their home life, right? Mm-hmm. Um And interestingly enough, that is pushing into larger businesses and into software developers who are getting to the point where they're saying, well, we need to write this software with interfaces that are better, that are more visual, that are more intuitive, that do have multimedia capabilities built in. So enterprise applications are going to increasingly have some level of requirement for more sophisticated audiovisual processing, Uh, obviously that cooperative processing that some of the the desktop virtualization solutions are now able to do is going to be important. I don't think it's the world today, but I think over time as brands compete for that top-level talent Mm -hmm. from millennials and digital natives, they're going to have to sit up and pay attention to the quality of technology they give them, right?
1: Well, and you're seeing some parity, some feature parity as far as, uh, multimedia now that you weren't seeing before across the platforms between like Apple and Microsoft and Linux. I mean, before Linux was like the redheaded stepchild, you know. <laughs> Nobody was writing codecs for you know software codecs for them for you know yep. video and sound, and now all of a sudden everybody is. So it, it and it and it's not just you know the the penguins that are out there you know being rebels uh, with a cause. It's actual companies who. You know, have customers that have Linux, you know, thin clients or Linux tablets, and they're like, oh, um, yeah. "We want these to perform the same way as our Windows tablets do." Fix it, you know. So. Yep. Yep. It's, Absolutely. It's 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 an actually it's actually pretty interesting um, to see, kind of you know, because Microsoft has owned and still does own the business um, framework, and they will for a long time, but it's interesting to see how you know, some of their power has, has started to slip a little bit on the client side simply because of the mobility trends <laughs> and the fact that people like using Linux devices, not just Windows devices or Apple devices, you know? So, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: No, that's, that's very true. It? And it's interesting. I do,
0: you know, the the, the one area which I guess I, I diverge a little bit from what you said there was with Microsoft and the endpoint, I think under an Adela, they're starting to pay more attention to the different kinds of endpoints that might be the the, the edge of the future. You know, mm. obviously the laptop and and your laptop and desktop sales are down across the board as more and more people go into tablet computing and mobile. Although there was a little bit of a rebound on that, I believe this year or 2014 at least, um, as the corporate buying cycles caught up. Um, but that's sort of a
1: little bit of an aberration. Do you think it was more of a Windows Seven upgrade rush?
0: Yeah. It, well, was that? But it was also, I believe, uh, a lot of uh, organizational purchasers were waiting to see if tablets would actually replace desktops and laptops. Uh, and in the okay. end, I think they didn't. In the end, I think most people realised that laptops and smartphones and ta- so the smartphones and tablets were act- were add-ons to yeah. the compute environment rather than replace. And at that point, businesses went out and went, oh, well, we've held off this upgrade cycle for four or five years. We can't wait any longer. The Windows 7, Windows XP drop was, was also a part of it, I think, last year, um, which sort of forced the the hand. And people said, well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually going to have to buy new laptops for my people. Um, yeah. So I think that's sort of what happened. But with Microsoft, you know, the HoloLens, the... the Microsoft version of Google Glasses, Um, I think that starts to show where Microsoft is looking, pun not intended, at (laughs) different endpoints and different edge devices that might actually be the future. Because I think you're right. I think they're, they're losing the grip that they once had. They're clearly losing it through to iPads, if nothing else, but also, as you mentioned, to other types of desktops and interfaces. And I think they're, under Satya Nadella, starting to figure out that there's other opportunity there that they can go for. And I I actually think the the HoloLens has a really interesting opportunity in the industrial side of the wearable argument.
1: Okay, So, and when you say industrial, do you want to expand on that a little bit? So um, having a second
0: set of eyes, if you will, an augmented set of eyes, um, some of your listeners will be uh, old enough as I am to remember the $6 million man and his augmented reality eyeball. Um, you know, This sort of thing in an industrial setting, in a, uh, in a manufacturing plant, for example, to be able to detect defects in product that you could not detect with the naked eye, for example, uh, that would take too long to detect with a static sort of bench-style inspection machine,
1: um, like predictive so, maintenance.
0: Predictive maintenance, absolutely. Being able to visualize our constructs as well, physical constructs. The taking the idea of three D printing into a virtual phase. So instead of having to even three D print an alpha or a prototype of a widget, a device, a thing you want to build, and actually being able to prototype it visually, virtually, is going to be a really interesting opportunity in the in the industrial side of wearables. Um, and certainly the video that, that Microsoft put out about Hololens, and I'd certainly recommend anyone who hasn't seen it to have a look, because you know they talk, they're looking at architectural diagrams, blueprints, and so forth. Being able to manage those in an agile fashion, like in real time,
1: mm-hmm. that's a
0: phenomenal difference in the world of design and manufacturing. For example.
1: Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Because right now they're using you know historical data and vibration analysis for that type of stuff, and and. That's you know that's time consuming. You know they have to be able to detect using you know detect the variations in how the equipment is vibrating, and they do that by grafting it using historical data and saying, uh oh, vibrations have changed, something must be wrong.
0: So. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's got to be a better way, right?
1: Right, right. So, so there yeah. are the sorts
0: of things that I'm thinking about, you know, with these new edge style devices, and you know, there's going to be a lot of One of the things that does really worry me here is essentially the integration and communication between these devices. How do they communicate? How do you leverage the value of the information that one device creates in another device? Where's the visualization aspects? As wearables and computing follow Moore's law and get smaller and smaller, if not cheaper and cheaper, then how do we start to deal with that as as physical human beings? How do we start to deal with these very tiny devices the integration with screens, for example, or projections, or you know, and the Microsoft Hololens does it with holographic style projections. And,
1: and I how do you there get the mi- data to merge and be, yeah, in, be yeah. in a central oh. location? And what about DR for oh, your data? Oh, data
0: merge and DR, and uh, e- yeah. ETL, and all this sort of stuff. I mean, some of it is solved problems, but a lot of it is not. It's going to be huge yeah. challenges.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as these things evolve, I think you and I should, you know, definitely continue having conversations with, about them because I think that, you know, whenever I've read any of the stuff that you've written, it's always very insightful and I'm always excited to see, to you know, what your point of view is because, you know, I, I think that, um a lot of a lot of the times you manage to say things that I'm thinking before I can actually verbalize them correctly you know what i mean <laughs> great minds um, think alike right well i i yeah but there's also stuff that we you know our our past, you know, diverge on but i still think that you know your insights are always well thought out and that's why i always enjoy kind of seeing what you're up to and keeping an eye on your work um but um, so I guess our time is almost up. Is there anything that you want to talk to or speak to that that I didn 't ask about that that you're interested in kind of um sharing and, and getting the information out on?
0: Well, the first thing I would like to share is how much i 've enjoyed the the other episodes in this series um Aww. really your Your ability to get really smart people uh myself notwithstanding uh to come on and talk about things <laughs> that they 're passionate about, I think is really unique um. So I would like to certainly recommend to anyone listening to go and search out other episodes. Um, yeah, the other, the only other thing that I'm really going to be fascinated around is, and we haven't touched on too much, is the whole Internet of Things concept where we talk about mobility and wearables and IoT like they're separate things, and I have a feeling that they're not. I feel like at some point this all does. Yeah, the devices don't converge, but I think the markets do. So mm-hmm. I'll be interested to watch that and see where that all goes.
1: So you think there will be some sort of a perfect storm, even if it's not what everybody's imagining it to be?
0: I think there will be something, yeah. I mean, I think these all of these disparate devices, um, it's it's like going back to the old days of 17 different flavors of Unix, right?
1: Um, <laughs> right.
0: We had, we had Erics and HPUX and AIX and Solaris and uh you s g i yeah all it is, just
1: goes on and on yeah,
0: and I think that at some point we start to come a lot more together and I I, I I do believe that that will happen with the internet of things i think that's the superset basically i think the internet of things is the superset it subset. must
1: be become method there must become a method- method- a uh, a uh, standardization so there has to be a methodology that that creates a standardization that you know everybody kind of can agree on and use. Is, is is that your point
0: yeah because i think ultimately the devices become less valuable if they're not able to be part of a larger ecosystem and i think we will see plays that will uh to a large extent force that larger ecosystem uh-huh. uh, and we'll end up with your know, compatibility uh as a commercial requirement rather than a nice to
1: have yeah Let's just hope we don't all wake up in 30 years and all of our restaurants are called Taco Bell, okay?
0: (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Yeah, really. I saw a really interesting, (laughs) the other day... uh, Talking about how chefs should create food, not 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 management executives, and I thought, that right? Was, as a bit of a foodie myself, I thought I, that really resonated with me. So, well, <laughs> but that's yeah. another topic entirely, I guess. Yeah, I
1: can't remember what, what movie that was, but that was with was, um, Sylvester Stallone and some guy said, "We're going to take you to Taco Bell," and he's like, "Great!" And it just popped into my head because I'm like, "What if, like, in 30 years, all of our technology is just called Taco Bell?" I mean, you know. <laughs> you got to you got to standardize <laughs> <But> <laughs>
0: yeah anyway too much of a good thing huh. yeah.
1: so how can everybody else follow you i know how to follow you but um what are your favorite places to kind of exist and share information and, and tell us how we can we can find you
0: absolutely so obviously you mentioned my twitter handle is andyman a n d i m a n n Um, You can always go to ca.com slash blogs. Um, I've got a bunch of blogs that I put up there, and there's a bunch of other people there who are posting on all sorts of stuff around management and mobility and wearables and API connections and security and stuff like that, so that's pretty useful as well. Um, honestly just Google me, I'm like the first six pages of Andy Mann's on the web. Um, <laughs> and and the various journals. I you know, I write I write and contribute occasionally to things like Information Week, Data Datamation, uh, the Virtual Practice, um, and a bunch of other sites as well. So, you know, I I I have to say I'm not keeping my personal blog updated as much as I should, but mm-hmm. that is at pleasediscuss dot com slash andyman.
1: So what you're saying is, is you're everywhere and we can't get away from you.
0: <laughs> That's the plan.
1: <laughs> okay. i just, just double checking. All right. Well, Andy, thank you so much for your time. And I really appreciate That's it. Good. And I do want to kind of, you know, um, stay connected and maybe do this in, you know, another year and, and see where, you know, things have changed. And, and if some of these things that haven't converged have converged and, and see if, uh, Maybe the reality of uh, mobility has changed a little bit for us.
0: Absolutely. Look, it's a a pleasure to come on today, and I would be honored to check back in.
1: All right, Groovy. Thank you so much. Have a good one.
0: Thank you, Glenda. Bye.